uh, yeah, there was allegedly a basketball game. Michigan State won tonight. Uh, 63-61 was the final score I heard. We're going to talk about it. Oh my god, yeah, never a doubt. And then, hey, segments two and three, John Garcia, the recruiting director of Sports Illustrated, friend of the program, he's going to fill us all in from the class of 2023 to the class of 2025? All right, yeah, I guess. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners, uh, we are recording here from, yes, if you're watching on YouTube, Traverse City's finest laundry room. And I'm still not wholly convinced that that game is over and Michigan State escaped with that victory against Iowa. We're going to get to that in just a little bit here. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Whoa, boy, howdy. Uh, that that, That was a game that was played at Breslin Center. And that was a win for Michigan State. And let's call it what it was that that was an ugly win um oh my god like i was not some world beating team uh they they are just like the rest of the big 10 they are fine and if you are a team that wants to be taken seriously you don't have scary games against just fine teams on your home court but uh, okay with that said though with that said like there is something to be said about winning a game when you start down okay 10-0 when you get close to nothing, if anything, a whole negative on the night from your point guard. And look, we're not going to beat up A.J. Hogard too much. He has been great this season. Everyone has allowed an off night. But, oh man, when it is your leader, your point guard having the off night and you still win, again, there, there might be something to be said about that. You see, once again, 38 points scored against you in the paint and you still win. You have just two points from your bench outside of Malik Hall, there might be something to be said about that. And hey, every three that you made in the second half, not most of them, no, no, every single three-pointer you made in the second half to put a dagger in Iowa, they answered the following possession. Okay, there's something to be said about escaping with a win there. And also, too, let's just talk about the last eight seconds there. How about giving your opponent a helicopter pad of room around him to shoot a wide-open three-pointer. And it goes clickety-clank. Does not go in, thank God. Five years were shaved off my life when the ball was in the air, but again, like it might sound like I'm kidding. There really is something to be said about winning a game when that many things are going against you. Some in your control. Actually, many things in your control. And some outside of your control. And Michigan State gets the win. And guess what? You escape a lot of bad storylines and bad thoughts if they were to lose that game. Because if you lose that game against Iowa, the is this team going to make the tournament conversation gets rebooted again. And no, not in the sense of, hey, Michigan State's now on the outside looking in. Oh my God, they're first four team. But you start to have the conversation again of like, okay... They may have started this week, uh, you know, maybe as a six seed before playing Indiana. You lose that game, you slide to a seven seed or an eight seed, depending on what bracketology you look at. You lose at home against Iowa. Okay, you're now you're squarely maybe in that seven, eight, dare I say, nine seed line. And well, next up is at Purdue. 
you know, just the number one team in the country who might lose their game tonight against Michigan. I'm not sure. I'm recording during that game when I last checked. Michigan was up by like five or seven points against Purdue. And with that great coaching staff they have over there in Ann Arbor and that great big man, there's no way they can lose that game. So let's assume that Purdue is coming to play off of a loss, a revenge game at their home barn, or even if they somehow do beat Michigan on the road. At the end of the day, it's still a good team. So yeah, you lose to Iowa. That's off the tail end of Indiana. You're looking at three straight losses, and then after a week break, you're a neutral court game against Rutgers. Like, look, I, I know we're doing a lot of hypotheticals right now and talking about something that didn't happen because Michigan State win that game. But if they lost that game, that could have been a very, very slippery slope. But they mitigated the damage, and they got some good performances from some players. From some players. Just like we just talked about. It wasn't you know an all-around great game from a bunch of guys. Well, Michigan State did have a handful of guys in double digits. Well, five guys in double digits. Each guy had a different story of how they got to double digits. And the biggest story here of the night was Malik Hall. And we all know about his foot. All right, and it was crazy that he was even playing in this game because last week, Izzo said that we're looking at a three-week timetable for his return. And that was after the Grim Reaper came in and just ended the season formally called because of his foot. So, yeah, a lot has changed in the last two weeks, but he played outstanding tonight considering all the circumstances, of course. 25 minutes, though, for him tonight, which... I don't know if I'm playing a guy coming off of his second foot injury absence of the season, 25 minutes, but they needed him for all 25 minutes. 11 points. He had that high-flying dunk in the first half. Holy crap. I didn't even know he could jump that high, to be honest. But yeah, Malik Hall, arguably the MVP of the game. The other player that might have something to say about that is Madi Sissoko. 10 points, 10 rebounds. Four of those rebounds being offensive rebounds. Those were big down the stretch. And yes, well, maybe I might give it to Malik Hall for being the team MVP just because Matty also let a few of these rebounds slip through his fingers. I mean, God, we got to get this guy receiver gloves out there. Um, Still, 10-10, and 10, especially after this skid that he's had individually in the last six or seven games. Great performance tonight and really love to see his motor out there. I mean, effort has never been questioned in these last six or seven games with Madi, but it's almost like he found that extra gear on both the offense and defensive end. And yes, while Iowa still had their way defensively, I mean, look, it's just like what it is with football when we watch our secondary, right? I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but you sit down in the fall and you watch a pedestrian quarterback like Tanner Morgan have a career day, and you're really not that surprised because the secondary is the secondary. All right, Iowa... Not really a physically imposing front court. Still had their way, but at this point you're not even moved this season. So you're just looking for any shred of good light that you can find with the secondary in the football season. With the front court in the basketball season. And you got it big time with 10 and 10 for Amadi, but just the way he did it too with that high motor. Also, Jaden Akins, 12 points on the night and no two points were more important than the game icing shot at the end of the game. Very challenging shot. No question about it. I mean, he had some shots earlier where, hey, wide open, this is going to go in, and oh, it doesn't. But of course, he just is nails. Nails in that final minute. So if you want to throw a few MVP, vote, MVP votes at Jaden Akins, be my guest. 5 of 11 shooting is how he got his 12 points. But 
Yeah, that, that rounds out the, the stars of the game. Uh, Joey Hauser, you know, he also had 11 points, 4 of 10 shooting, 6 rebounds. It's just a, it, it's a classic, like, maybe not, I, I don't want to say off night for Joey just because he was so good in that second half with some big threes, but kind of quiet in that first half. And it's just another game where it's like, eh, Joey just played okay, but still, 11 and 6. Okay, you, you take that as a quote-unquote off night. Unfortunately, speaking of off nights, uh, it was it, 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 it is crazy what is going on with A.J. Hogarth when he plays Iowa. Because we talked about this with Trent Condon of Locked on Hawkeyes yesterday. And he brought it up. He brought up that A.J. Hogarth, when he plays Iowa, really kind of uh, stinks up the joint. My words, not his. Uh, that was not what Trent said. But after he said that, I was like, yeah, you know what, you're kind of right. I kind of do remember some off games from A.J. Let's go look at the stats here and... They continued tonight because he was just not good at all. And uh, by not good at all, I mean 3 of 12. Okay, From the field, he nearly airballed that free throw at the end when he had the bonus to ice the game. He also had three turnovers. But let's look at the other two games he's played against Iowa. In total, in the three games that he's played against Iowa, he is 5 of 24 from the floor. Six turnovers. And I would love to break it down and be like, hey, this is what I was doing to him. They're not letting him go left or something like that. Or, oh, they're playing over him on ball screens. Or, I would love to do X's and O's. But when you're nearly airballing free throws, when you're missing point-blank layups with no one in front of you, maybe it's just voodoo going on. That just could very well be the case. Like, he just doesn't like the colors black and yellow. And anytime he sees the jerseys, it just doesn't go well for him. But, again, no, we're not going to beat up A.J. Hogard. Different story, maybe, if Michigan State loses that game. And also, different situation if he hasn't been playing as well as he has all season. Yes, a pedestrian game, we'll call it, against Indiana wasn't his best game. This was a continuation of that. The third or fourth time we see this unravel is maybe when we start to get worried about A.J. Hogard. But as of now, I'm not too worried about it. Every kid, especially in college, is allowed an off night. And tonight was just AJ's, and it didn't cost Michigan State a win. Thank God, because holy crap, could you have a better look at the end of that game if you're Iowa? I'll answer that question. No, you cannot. Uh, hey, let's switch up sports here. Let's just forget this game ever happened. Let's move on to Sunday against Purdue. Again, probably coming off of a loss. Um, football. Next segment. Not just football, but football recruiting with John Garcia of Sports Illustrated. Uh, if you guys have never listened to the show before, first of all, thanks a lot for giving us a shot. Second of all, John's great. Awesome friend of the program. He knows the ins and outs of all things recruiting with Michigan State, so stay tuned for those two segments. But first, hey, got to talk your ear off about FanDuel. That's right. It is our sports book partner for the Locked On Network because who else will we partner with? We are going to partner with the best in the country. And let's just talk your ear off about NFL playoffs as well. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they are the number one sports book in America. We're talking FanDuel, gang. That's right. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet, win or lose. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props, and plus you can even combine bets for your chance at a bigger payout with same game parlay. You've heard me talk up and down about this bet on FanDuel right now. The over-under. 
for 49ers versus Eagles is 45 and a half. I'm feeling the under. If you think I'm smart, ride with me. If you think I'm just a bozo, which I know a lot of you do, hey, bet the under and win yourself some money probably. Uh, it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. FanDuel always pays out fast, so football fans do not miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Locked On Networks. I would like to thank the LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football and college basketball recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Networks. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Best of all, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, we are joined by a man that I love talking to and I know that you love hearing from. It's John Garcia. Sports Illustrated Director of Recruiting. John, welcome back. How on earth are you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's another signing day around the corner. Portal's nuts. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's just another day. It's amazing. Just another day. And we got a few names that we want to get to with the 2023 class. Yes, there is a little more juice. And Mel Tucker and company can squeeze out of that orange here. And first and foremost, I, let's talk about one of the only four stars that are available still going into the second signing day period. Chimney... Oh, no. That's right. Big offensive lineman out of Maryland. It's between Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland, or you know what? You're the recruiting expert. Who is this down between and should us state fans have hey, hopes up for an offensive lineman commit here? As of today, Matt, this is profiling as a Michigan State, Penn State, Big Ten battle for a kid. Okay. In the eastern outskirts of Big Ten country. But Chimdy did confirm that he's still taking – the visit to Ole Miss this weekend. So maybe the SEC program throws a wrench into it. But otherwise, this is going to profile as, as sort of a classic back-and-forth battle. Um, Late-rising recruit. This kid was committed to Old Dominion like the other day. Bet on himself and didn't sign in December. And, and look at the, the fruits of that labor. He is now going to absolutely play Power 5 football for free. And you understand why he was a late riser on the front end. 6'5", 270, really light. Yeah. But, man, his tape as a senior, he really gets to the second level with ease. Looks like a power forward uh, on the football field. So wherever he ends up, obviously, put on weight and allow that athleticism to carry him potentially to an offensive tackle spot. So, yeah, took okay. the OV last weekend to Michigan State. And, and it looks like a lot of the boxes were checked. High academic kid. That's something that was important to him. Uh, the, the coaching staff knew uh, that and obviously presented that uh, first and foremost. Um, Mel Tucker wasn't there. Personal matter. I'm sure you guys and your audience is, is aware in that regard. But um, academics was a priority. I thought was, what was interesting that I read was that NIL came up quite a bit. Yeah, uh, that's that's a bit at this stage. That's becoming increasingly important. And you just wonder how kids receive that information. Uh, so I thought that was a good move by MSU to throw that wrench in there because it is something that is becoming more prevalent on the recruiting trail. And look, if you're a kid who's signing February 1st and enrolling in May, that's a couple of months to get everything in order where you could theoretically position yourself for, for some NIL situations. So I thought that was a good move by Michigan State. I wonder if Ole Miss follows up in that same vein uh, this coming weekend, even though Lane Kiffin complains about not having NIL money at his disposal, sure. <laughs> uh, which is which is always fun for us uh, on the talking side of it. But yeah, uh, Penn State got him on campus the weekend prior. Good visit. Big time late target for the Nittany Lions. 
I think it's it's sort of coin flip status today, but I am curious to see what Ole Miss presents because that is a counter in just about every way to East Lansing and State College. When you go down to Oxford, Mississippi, very different presentation yeah. uh, and situation, obviously, and offense, a very different offense than what he's going to see with the Big Ten school. So he says it's still a four-team battle. Rutgers is still in there. They got okay. the visit before early signing day, so it's been some time, but Greg Schiano is, is uh, supposed to visit him in the next uh, couple days, as is Lane Kiffin and everybody else in this race. So like you said, this is kind of the last big battle uh, on the East Coast outside of the Nicholas Harbor sweepstakes. So it's become pretty intense, but we think it's it's probably a Big Ten situation with with a sprinkle of uh, red, white, and blue from the SEC. Very Colors unique wide. to have colors. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Of course, of course. <laughs> it, it is it is unique to have two recruitments in the same cycle where it comes down between Ole Miss. Michigan State and Penn State with NIL playing a big factor. Of course, we saw with Kedrick Reese Cano right before early signing day. So, well, yeah, let's just do this again, but with an offensive lineman. Perfect. Um, so what does he profile as, hypothetically? Because right now, Michigan State, pretty good with offensive line recruiting. Stanton Rommel, okay, that's your true tackle right there, Keyshawn Blackstock. He's a tackle, but can play inside, so he's a little bit of a hybrid. And then, of course, Dellinger, just a true interior offensive lineman. Right. What profile does uh, Chimdi Ono suit best? True tackle, kind of a hybrid? What do you feel? I, I think he's got some hybrid because, okay. you know, you used to say, okay, well, if he moves very well, he's got to be a tackle, right? Because yeah. you got to combat these pass rushers. But now, I mean, watch ball at any level. And the great teams, these guards and centers are getting to the second level. They're pulling. They're leading screens as much as the tackles are. So I think it's it's really going to come down to his development once the weight is put on. That's really the major okay. thing there. He's light, but the, the footwork, the length is all really strong. So I think he's going to get a chance to tackle first. But as he does gain the weight and his body develops, I do wonder how much of that will be maintained. So I think it's a little bit of TBD, not trying to cop out, but I think he'd prefer to play tackle at this stage. He's more comfortable on the move right now. But again, rounding into shape, basketball player, he's got a lot of refinement ahead. So once he does it from a physical and technical perspective, uh, your guess is as good as mine, but there's yeah. there's some serious movement skills and juice at the point of contact with Chim Ono, and that's why he's he's had such a late rise. It sounds like we would take him. So, Chim D, if you're yeah. listening, which I know you've never missed an episode, hey, East Lance is a great place. Come on down. But So that's the big name, obviously, and there's not a lot of spots left on Michigan State's roster allotment, but any other names that we should keep an eye out for for the 2023 class as it comes to a close here? Well, look, Philip Davis was was the other interesting, uncommitted official visitor, kid out of Lake Wells, Florida. Yeah. You talk about late riser. I mean, this was a kid right. that had only real, real group of five opportunities until Michigan State jumped in with, with a recent scholarship offer. They worked hard, got an official visit set up, and he took it, and, and he loved it. So it's real simple. If, if MSU sends that letter of intent down to Lake Wales, Florida – you got to feel good about Davis potentially signing it. Another high academic kid uh, who is is a late riser in the same sense as Ono, although it's not from a physical standpoint. 6'2", 180 right now, can play corner or safety. Had a, a strong finish to his senior season. Three picks in his last two games, and, and the, the last two were in the state title game. So he wow. really profiled well on the biggest of stages with that length. Can high point the football. Uh, probably a little bit more, more of a safety in a projection sense, uh, but with those ball skills and instincts, you'd like that in a Mel Tucker type of defense. Uh, and he likes it as well. So again, I think the ball for that recruitment 
is almost strictly in Michigan State's court. And if they have room, they'll bring in an intriguing late addition from the state of Florida, where if you're going to miss, go miss with a lengthy, rangy state champion DB from the state of Florida. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's not a bad idea at all. And speaking of Florida, let's go to the 2024 class. And there's two guys I want to hit on, you know, Davey Belfort, the quarterback prospect. But first, let's talk about the top 10 kid at IMG Academy a guy who's always seen wearing Michigan state gear, always talk about Michigan state stuff. And like, for me, it's like, it seems like a little too much, too good to be true, but obviously a lot of state fans are excited for David stone, top 10 defensive lineman. Like, I don't, I don't even know what question to ask. Like, should we be getting our hopes up? Obviously we should. He's wearing MSU gear all the time, but like, how much of a real player is Michigan State in this? I mean, as dumb oh, as a question as that is. <laughs> it's real. No, it, it's real. I mean, David, first of all, he's one of the funnest kids to be around. He, You talk about a okay. kid who's playing the game. He will eat it all up yeah. from a media yeah. standpoint. But, look, he's even better on the field. I mean, he was okay. the best D lineman at IMG Academy this year. And I think at any position at that school, if you are clearly the best at it, you're pretty darn good at what you do. And Stone is is that type of dude. Like you said, a, a legitimate top 10 recruit. It should be yeah. consensus. I don't know if it is today, but it should be consensus by the end of the recruiting cycle. But but the Michigan State smoke is real. He's been up to campus. He's going again this weekend. Even though it's about the 23 class, he's going back uh, as, right. as the key 24 uh, high-level recruit for uh, MSU and company. So, yeah, um, look, he's it's a national recruitment everybody's jumping in. I think Ohio state and Ole Miss just offered to bring the Ole Miss back into it. Um, mm. Oklahoma is, is the state he calls home. His sister lives in Norman, you know, all, all of that will be tough to beat. Um, in addition to all the other blue bloods that want this kid, but right now you've got visit history and it's going to be added upon in the near future. So clearly there's a lot that he likes about East Lansing, but in particular, this defensive, really, let's be honest, defensive-laden coaching staff. And these are yeah. the type of recruits we see MSU in on each and every cycle. I mean, you were in it for David Hicks and, until the very last moment this past year. I mean, every year that's going to be a thing, it, it seems right. like, and Stone is the next man up. But I think among all those far-reaching out-of-region guys, Stone will be the most frequent visitor to East Lansing before all is said and done because we haven't even gotten to official visit season and he's got a few trips under his belt. So you would imagine MSU could be in line for one of those when, when he gets to to that part of the recruiting process. And I think that's the other benefit for MSU with Stone. He appears to be in no rush. I think that is huge okay. news for Michigan State. If if it was the, the opposite, I think your conventional programs that have been in on him uh, Oklahoma with the home state ties, all of those schools would feel much better about it. Um, Texas A&M's in that race. But if it's going to stretch out, you feel better about the schools either further away like MSU or newer to the table like an Ohio State that just offered. So I do think the, the stretching recruitment is good news for MSU. And obviously it's always good to get him on campus. So yeah, yeah. that smoke is real. Uh, I don't know if he's got like a top group of schools or anything like that, but when that point comes, I'd be pretty surprised if Michigan State wasn't in that group. And again, I think they're probably in line for an official visit before all is said and done. Gosh, yeah. All I know is that he came out with a top ten. Michigan State is in that, but I, what does that really mean, honestly? Like right. ten schools is a lot of schools still, and of course that's a fluid situation. It could be a Peyton Kirkland situation where you have a top five, and you pick a school that's not even on your top five. So there's, there's always, always that. 
Yeah, that old trick. That's always a fun one. So, all right. So, no commitment anytime soon. Let's change the tune, though. A guy that is going to be committing soon. Just said soon. You know, didn't let us know what month or week or really year. I mean, that's just a concept. Time is just a concept of our imagination here. Davey Belfort, quarterback, four-star commit here. Tell us everything about that. Like, is Michigan State truly in the driver's seat for this one? Because I believe it's between our Spartans. We got the Aggies out of Texas A&M. And, hey, it's, it's not Ole Miss as the third team, like every <laughs> other recruit we've talked about. It's it's Virginia Tech. So where are we yeah. at with this guy? Michigan State has held a lot of buzz. Look, I, I live in South Florida where, where, where Davi plays ball. There's a lot of Spartan buzz down here okay. for Belfort if and when he comes off the board. So in this one – Sooner the better. It's the opposite of, of the David Stone recruitment. The sooner the better for, for MSU. Um, he's, I think, lining up one more visit. He's at Virginia Tech this weekend. Um, A&M's the one that hadn't, I think, got him on campus yet. So I think they're a bit of a third wheel at this stage of the game. So I'm really viewing this profile-wise as Michigan State against Virginia Tech. Um, obviously, a lot of transition at Virginia Tech over the, the last year or so from a coaching standpoint and from a personnel standpoint in that quarterback room, a little bit more stability there in East Lansing. So I do think that's something that Belfort appreciates. He's a well-traveled kid. Everybody knows his dad at this point is, you know, world famous uh, MMA fighter. So a well-traveled kid distance doesn't feel the same when we talk about it uh, with, with Davi Belfort, who's already, again, he's already visited probably 15 schools across the country. So, um, it's not as stark a difference for a kid like this. Uh, and look, he's, like you said, he's saying soon. Uh, right. I don't think it'll be January at this point. So we're looking at February or March. Um, and if he schedules a visit to AM, maybe this thing extends a little bit just to give some due diligence to Jimbo Fisher. But I do still consider this a MSU versus VT battle. And I think the buzz locally is stronger with Michigan State at this point. So visits can always change that. Um, honestly, the portal QB dominoes can always change that. But yeah. at this stage, I think Belfort and Michigan State make a lot of sense. And I actually think this is a great fit. You know, you think of some of these um, more notable Michigan State quarterbacks, and they got this combination of not only, you know, gunslinger, but this grit, this this kind of mm-hmm. edge about them. Um, looking at the guy behind you snatching the trophy out of uh, – the presenter's hands reminds me of that as well. Davi fits that to to a T. Uh, so I think that would be a nice get uh, for Michigan State. And I think it will really help build the 24 class because he's been a known name in, in quarterback circles and recruiting circles for several years, going back to, to middle school when he started picking up some scholarship offers. So that would be big for MSU at quarterback and beyond. Gotcha. And also just learn that it's Davi, not Davey. That's uh, a mental note to take into the future here. I would hate to keep butchering his name, then run into his father one day who might have a thing to say about that. <laughs> um, any other 24 names that you know we should keep our eyes on? I know it's very early in the recruiting cycle. If we hit the big names, Davi, David Stone, or do you want to flip the page to one guy in 2025? Yeah, I mean, I just saw the 25 guy, so let's let's make that jump. 24 will be great for MSU, a lot of time, yeah, but get the QB early and you, you build from there. Speaking of QB, Bryce Underwood, kid in Michigan State's backyard, not too far at all. Uh, he, he's a five-star of five-star here. He has every single college after him. He has some AFC East teams after him as well. <laughs> I mean, like any early indication on how this recruitment's going to go and if he favors Michigan State at all. I, you, you, you talk about early in a cycle. This is a 2025 yeah. kid, but still, we got to talk about him. He's a 25 kid, but he's, you know, he was anointed pretty early. Uh, you yeah. know, so I think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that gets it done 
earlier than most. You know, the typical quarterback window is is right now when Belfort's going to come off the board. It's in between your junior and your senior seasons. I, I think Underwood's one that's going to have so much information, so many visits under his belt that he could be a candidate to come off the board six months to 12 months prior to, to that normal window, which puts this offseason into a pretty important territory. And that's good news for Michigan State because he's not – as well traveled as some of the other top recruits in his class. He's obviously frequented East Lansing. He's frequented Ann Arbor. Uh, Ohio State has jumped in with an offer here, obviously familiar there. Really the Big Ten footprint is is kind of where he is most familiar. I think Penn State is is maybe the next visit, although he hasn't been there quite yet. It's really about, to me, the other schools coming in. It's like we talked about with Dante Moore early in his recruitment. There was always this Midwestern feel until – it truly went national and then it went, you know, twist and turny for right. six to 12 months. And, and now he's at UCLA, which is a school nobody ever associated with him. I don't think Underwood's situation will be like that on the back end, but on the front end to where we feel like the Midwestern programs have a distinct advantage. That is true for Underwood. He's just been to those campuses so much more. There's so much of a feel right now between him and Mel Tucker and him and Jim Harbaugh right now compared to kids that are much older. So I think it's going to be a bit of catch up for the schools in SEC and ACC country, Pac-12, Big 12. Everyone wants in on this kid, like you said, including the NFL. That was a good note there. Uh, So I do think if it stays on that track, that familiarity with the Midwestern and Big Ten programs in particular is going to play very well for Underwood, especially if he comes off the board sooner than than Dante Moore eventually did. So it reminds me a little bit of that recruitment on the front end, maybe not so so much thereafter. But look, he's he's worth it. I watched him in person yeah. for the first time this past weekend at the battle event, and he's pushing the ball down the field more than any quarterback at the event by a large margin. I mean, first play, go route send it you know it, it, that's that's the mentality of Underwood who's of course already won multiple state titles uh, up in the state of Michigan as well so well worth it he's a dual threat as well so obviously we didn't see the athleticism but we see it on tape a plenty so he's he's that program changer galvanizing force at QB and Michigan State is absolutely in the thick of it and last question before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your day here. It's odd to have a conversation with you and not bring up Samson Okunlola. We, we only brought him up every single conversation last recruiting cycle. He's going to Miami. So let's anoint a kid for the 2024 class. Who is going to win the Samson Okunlola Memorial? Please commit so this Matt kid will shut up every single time I talk to him about you, award winner for 2024. Is it just going to be David Stone, you, you think? If he draws it out like Samson, it's got to be David Stone because yeah, okay. he's, he's the national name, easy to find kind of recruit that yeah. is giving a lot of fan bases hope at this moment. Uh, he just got, I forget who just offered him. I, I asked him, hey, is this too late for anybody who's just now offering? He's like, no, never too late. That's the quote. Never too late. So theoretically, <laughs> schools are going to come in for the next six months on this kid and have a fighting chance. So, yeah, I think I think David Stone's penciled in, maybe maybe in Sharpie at this point, uh, to, right. to be that guy, that banner recruit. Uh, and, look, he's he's so here for it, and, and so am I. I. I love when a kid can match it kind of on and off the field to the highest yeah. degree, and that's certainly David Stone. It is one thing to do it, just drag it along if you're just some you know, middling three-star. You know, Hey, again, if I was a three-star, I, I would do the same. I know sure. I would, but it is different if you were like a bonafide five-star, you know, just, yeah, back it up, you know, that's, that's all I ask. That's all exactly. I ask. But hey, 
John, this is awesome. As always, again, I know the people love listening to you. I love talking to you. So thanks a lot, my man. Really do appreciate your work. Uh, where, where can the fine people find you if they want to either yell at you or greet you on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, come come talk ball on Twitter. We'll be uh, tweeting quite a bit right now. John Garcia underscore JR. we got a lot of podcasts going on here at the Locked On Network and beyond as, as we gear towards uh, another National Signing Day. So come hang out. Bang. There you have it. And gang, hey. Keep it peeled. Locked on Spartans. Uh, We got the big game against Purdue coming up this weekend. You know where to find the recap right here. Locked on Spartans. But until then, enjoy your weekend. Love you all. Let's go. Go Green.